Welcome back to the For Film Sake podcast, everybody. My name is Ryan Rashid, and I'm here with Chris Lucky. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Cold Hand Luke. Hey. But b- before we do any of that, uh, let's do the, the ketchup, mayonnaise, mustard, condiment, hey, sauerkraut, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Hey, hey. Um, but uh, we were just talking to Chris. I, my, my wall now has different shit running on it than it usually does mm. um, because I, uh, I'm working on two other projects that I kind of want to conceptualize. Mm. And I, I have a small problem with like a sort of – I want a room that has glass walls in it so that I could write in the glass walls of said room. UNCC had several of these rooms. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're like offices or conference rooms where people sit and the walls are transparent and they're made of glass and you can write with them in glass and dry erase marker. And it was amazing because mm. you would have four, six, like four probably like eight by four walls mm. and you just had so much real estate to write shit out. Okay. And I have not been able to find an office space or anything close to that. And you have to be a fucking student in the UNCC yeah. to do it. And I want one of those. I want one of those spaces so badly because I would just go there for like six hours a day yeah. on a weekend and then just like write shit out and then figure it out and enjoy my writing process because I got to move yeah. to write or like plan shit out uh, in an effective way. I don't know right. why there's some sort of neurotic energy inside of me mm. that if I start writing on a wall, I'm like bouncing and jumping and like thinking and talking to myself. Mm. And that's what it feels good to like get the thoughts out. Right. Um, I don't. I can't find a space like that, and I'm looking for one. So, if any of you lovely people know of a space that has a room with a transparent glass walls, please let me know. Genuinely, please let me know. It's 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 killing me inside not finding this room. All right. Because I can't write in the. I can't write in my windows because the the homeowners association is just like, who the fuck is writing on our windows? Mm-hmm. This isn't a crazy person neighborhood. And I can't write in the big doors downstairs because then my, uh, same thing. Yeah. And then my mom's just like, "Why the fuck are you running on the windows, you crazy person?" Yeah. Uh, so I just need I, I, I just want I just want glass walls. All right. Just please help me. Well, um, <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, of a room like that, I've been watching a movie called The Room. <laughs> same. I've uh, been watching The Room. Uh, before we get into the room, let's because uh, that's gonna take a little bit of time. Uh, I watched Roman J. Esquire, the Denzel Washington. <laughs> what? Okay. Well, j- <laughs> no, because I wanted to, because I watched The Room too. Okay. And I want to say something about it. All right. But I watched Roman J. Esquire. Mm. Good movie. Denzel Washington did good. All right. And uh, there was another thing that I wanted to say. And there's a joke mm. <laughs> that made me laugh that Sage wanted me to tell on the podcast, and I'm going to say it before I forget. All right. And I was like, he's like, I met a Polish sound guy the other day. And a Czech one too. You you get it? A Polish sound guy, and a Czech one too. Yeah, like the yeah like, Mike Czech one too. Like the country that such. Yeah. yeah, Czech like the country. Then yeah, Mike then Czech one too. One yeah. two, yes. Okay, good. The room. Tell me what's up. What's mm. up? <laughs> not, not one of your best. <laughs> that is a Sage's joke. Yeah. I, I apologize immensely. Yeah, Sage, Sage, you're welcome. That's not one of your best, Sage. Uh, go fuck yourself. That is not one of your best. <laughs> so we watched The Room. Yeah. Uh, like the the best bad movie of all time. Supposedly, I mean that's that's, that's yeah. what they're what they're saying. Yeah. You know, but um, it's it's definitely not good. It's oh hell good. no! It's definitely not. when did you see yeah. it? Um, what's, we're recording today on a Sunday. I watched it Friday and Saturday. Okay, you yeah. watched it twice. 
Yeah, or maybe a third time. Like, I mean, I watched it one time with Tessa all the way through because she really wanted to see it, then seeing it on my own recognizance, and then just watch it again, getting ready for The Disaster Artist. Did you see The Disaster Artist? I'm seeing it tomorrow. Seeing it tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited for The Disaster Artist. Disaster. I can't say yeah. the name. Disaster Artist, yeah. too. The fucking room is probably the worst, like, structure movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it's very bad structure. But, like, it, it's one of those things, because, like, you see it on the internet, and you're just like, well, mm. this movie's going to be hilarious through and through. Mm. There's, like, an hour of movie in the room mm. that you just sit in there quietly going, I want to die mm. watching this. From, like, after Denny gets the drugs, mm. uh, which they never go back to. No. By the way, completely just ignore that. Yeah. And then uh, up, up until the point of the birthday party when he, like, starts fighting Mark and starts throwing shit in his room. Yeah. That's an hour of movie that's yeah, just the most boring, bland asinine disgusting piece of filmmaking mm. that there is and everyone's just like oh no this movie's hilarious and it's just the movie's hilarious for like the beginning yeah and then you realize what you're doing i mean it's the ending. It, it's it's funny to me that <laughs> that is just a guy could be that completely oblivious to be that <laughs> oblivious i mean when i when i first started watching them like this guy clearly was like some um he was making porn overseas and then took his porn money and then came to america and decided to shoot a real deal hollywood blockbuster cinema but had no talent whatsoever or no <laughs> idea how to not shoot a porn yeah yeah because I mean, that's, that's still what he shot you know the, the very first like five minutes we don't get an introduction to anybody's character we don't even think we get their names we just they, they're talk for like two seconds and then it's just a sex scene for like the entire you know how like you'll be watching the movie and then they'll play like uh, some music in the background yeah. of, of the fucking they started the music from the first second of the song and play the entire, entire song. song like all three verses all three choruses and the bridge they play the entire <laughs> song you know as they're fucking you know and it's, and it's not even like good fucking it's like you know you don't get to see like penetration or anything no it's just like some soft core b-level porn but you just see that for the full seven minutes and then after that's over then she fucks his best friend like <laughs> Did you get another yes. one? Within like three minutes of that same <laughs> shot. And then he comes home and then fucks her again within like 10 minutes. And this is what they do. They use the same footage of him fucking her the first time, the second time. Yep. The exact same footage. Like, he, they don't even like have him like change clothes or she's wearing different clothes or nothing. They just use the same footage. Same footage. It's short same, absolutely. I... I laughed so hard at the like the first twenty minutes of this movie because mm. of that. Yeah, because like we really, it, it's insane. Like we really do not see anything. No, and then it's just like, but Tommy Wiseau is like on her belly button, like she's he's fucking her belly button. Yeah, like for like three minutes out he's of the sex scene. Yeah, so you, <laughs> so you're just sitting there watching like this weird, sort of seemingly or supposedly American guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he from New Orleans. He, he twenty. He in his twenties. <laughs> from a New Orleans, yes. <laughs> That's what he says. Tommy Wiseau was a fascinating fucking character. Oh yeah. The movie's like disgustingly bad, and my favorite scene in the entire movie is when he goes to the flower shop, mm. and he's like talking and ordering flowers. Yeah. And then you can tell that the conversation has been dubbed mm. so badly because, like, they shot the scene, but it didn't have any dialogue in it. Yeah. And then they wanted to put dialogue, so they had to record, like, eight lines of dialogue. But mm. the scene is already shot. Yeah. So it's, like, a minute and a half scene, yeah. so they have to fit it all in. Yeah. So they just overlap it over each other. Lots no of No break dubs. of people talking. Yeah. It's like, hi, doggy. And then he just leaves. He just like, leaves, what yeah. What the fuck? Yep. <laughs> what was the point of this? It's ridiculous. <laughs> 
it's, it, it, there were so many moments where I'm like, maybe there is something there. It's like uh, there was one point where I was, I tried to think that maybe he knew something about filmmaking a <laughs> little bit, and I was hoping because there's a um, there's a scene from um, from the movie Annie Hall and Woody Allen. Uh, it was kind of like a technique that, that he brought in, and he focused on a box in the middle of the room, and it's where they were um, they were putting books inside of it and moving things. Right. So instead of like focusing on on um, on Woody Allen's character or Diane Keaton's character, they just focus on that center point of the box and then had them going back and forth to it, right. you know, with them moving out of, out of frame. Because that was the source of the argument. That was the source, yeah. yeah. So I was like, maybe he's going to do something here because they had all the other uh, guys out there throwing the football yeah. and they just had, they focused on two guys with the football and didn't show the other guys I was out of frame oh. and then they moved the camera over oh, to the other so two guys talking. and they were still fucking talking. I was like, oh no, they're not. <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing here at all. This is just pure bullshit. I watched the movie with, with Louise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there was like those moments of that complete cinematic ineptitude yeah. yes. that I was dying. Yes. And she was just kind of like, why are you laughing so Because it's, it's almost like someone looked at the rules and knew and did the exact opposite on purpose. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's, that's how bad it is. It's like, it's almost, it's almost impossible to be that bad, like on accident. <laughs> you know, it's like you almost have to do it on purpose. Yes. <laughs> I guess, it's that wild. Never, never seen anything like that. Never seen anything like that. Completely insane. Yeah. My favorite, one of my, my favorite line of dialogue is definitely when she's like, like he's in the bathroom after the fight mm. and she's like, tell me where you got to come on. And she's like, in a few minutes, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> just like, listen, tell just me wh- why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tommy Wiseau is an interesting fucking character. Oh yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm excited to see a disaster artist and I'm kind of tempted to pick up the book that the mm. disaster artist yeah. I want to know what Greg Sosteros feels about this movie Yeah. because um, apparently Tommy says that 40% of the book is true the mm. rest is bullshit yeah. and I, I'm just interested the, the movie is a fucking weird experience it's a weird trip and yeah. I think every filmmaker should watch it to know what not to do <laughs> There's a uh, so James Franco was on a Mark Maron's podcast, and uh, James was like, uh, Tommy had said he had to be in the movie, had to be in the, in, in the disaster artist. He was like, Okay, you know, we'll do some like Hitchcock and shit, you know, just right. throw him in the back. We, we don't know it's him. He was like, No, no, I have to be seen with you, James. I have to be talking scene with you. <laughs> it's like, What the fuck? <laughs> you know, so they, they got they got him in there, and um, I'll, I'll get to see him tomorrow in the movie, whatever. But um, nice. I don't know what that cameo is going to be like. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was like, uh, He said that the, the guy. Tommy, he sent James Franco like a FaceTime and he was at Lens Crafters. He was like, What do you think about glasses? They, they make good disguise. And it was like, Yeah, I can't tell you at all. It's perfect. It was like, Yeah, if you like fake mustache, I draw on better for, for a movie. And it was like, Yeah, he just drew on a fake mustache with like a big pin. And it was very serious. Like, if you like this, then I'll draw it on better for you when <laughs> we do the movie. It's like, We'll get you a fucking fake mustache, you fucking asshole. Like, what the fuck? You uh, think this is good? And he said, He gets there and he was like, um, He was like, Yeah, I got another movie coming out, you know, it's about like $20 million budget, 20 million. And then it was like, so we told Seth Rogen just to laugh at the guy, James yeah. Franco did. And then Seth was like, hey man, uh, we should, we should get in this movie. <laughs> we should be in, <laughs> we should be in it. <laughs> and they, they go to, they go to him and it was like, hey man, um, you know, how about you let us in your movie? You know, well, I don't know what stages you're in, but let us in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he's like the guy, he, he went away and said he thought about it. And then he came back and was like, uh, maybe I might have part for you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he might have part for them. Maybe. I feel like Tommy Wiseau is the guy that whenever you talk to him mm. and he leaves the room, you're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, yeah. 
So The Room's an interesting fucking movie, and uh, you should watch it. All the subplots don't matter. Everybody fucks each other. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently it was a play that was 800 pages long. Yeah, super long. I found the, I found the script uh, like of the movie. Yeah. It's it's more ridiculous than the movie. A bit. Like the dialogue is just like stilted as like who the fuck talks like that? And yeah. <laughs> Tommy, the mom was such a bitch the entire time of the movie. Mm. Lisa was a sociopath. Like the the, the psycho I think the the friend that's a psychologist, Peter, mm. at one point he was just like talking to Greg normally. And then he finds out that he's fucking Lisa. Mm. And then he says, immediately switches tone. And he's like, she's a sociopath. She can never love you. Like, based on nothing. Oh, nothing. Yeah. A lot of that happens. Nothing. It happens it's a just, lot. Yeah. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. It's just like someone like took the script, knew exactly what every character was thinking, and mm. then just decided not to tell anybody what every character was thinking. Yeah. And that's how the dialogue happened. And it's fucking weird. And I had a great time watching it. Sorry, Louise, for making you watch that with it was me the second it was time. <laughs> um, I got to start finally watching uh, season two of The Crown. I, oh, yeah, how was that? Uh, we were talking about it last week that um didn't know what season three was going to be and uh, that Claire Foy wasn't going to be in season three. Yeah. Um, found out from uh, Tessa, thankfully, that uh, Claire Foy is not going to be in it because they're going to be focusing on Princess Diana okay. for season three. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We're still going to be getting more of The Crown from season three and four. That means Prince, Prince season three is going to be a bummer. I mean, she's not going to die in the first season. Oh, yeah, like you, yeah, <laughs> you got to introduce for for one full season at least, and then kill her in the next season. But yeah, yeah, just or or or, or, or I mean, you can kill her in the season finale. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can kill her in the finale, I guess. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> but but we know ultimately she's gonna have to go down. Yeah, it's gonna be a bummer. And yeah, at, at some point for her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I'm not, I, I, I'm curious about that show. I haven't mm. seen it yet. It's really good. Uh, it's really, I feel really like good. I should give it a go. No, you no. I wouldn't, like I, I, I wouldn't suggest it. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just it's, it's like if you watch everything on television, and then there's like ten more shows that are going to come out the next week, and eight of them are going to be shit, and two of them are going to be kind of good. It's just something to keep you entertained in your, okay. you know, yeah. It's like if you, it's like it's like for people that are watching like thirty hours of television a week. Okay, that makes so sense. So if you're watching zero hours, there are plenty other television shows <laughs> that you could be entertained by. That's not The Crown. I started watching Broadchurch season three just got put on Netflix nice and it's fantastic I love David Tennant he's such a fucking good actor yes he is just love him Yeah. suck his dick any day alright I started in on Daria you you got me Daria for Christmas last year and I just now started watching the DVDs like this week I mean yeah I love Daria man I've never seen it I've never seen Daria you are Daria what the fuck yeah yeah, I've never seen it. Generally. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, it's like this is the bad thing about it. Like yeah. as I was watching it, and then I was like, yeah, Brian is totally Daria. <laughs> and anybody that's listening to this, you are cracking up laughing because you know I'm right. <laughs> you know, but the bad thing about it is, I think you would be so far removed from it that you wouldn't find Daria funny anymore because I think like, I, I get annoyed at her because I see the reflection, or that is just like her character is kind of done to death now. Is the, the sarcasm like oh, like in '93, like sarcasm was a new kind of funny that was new. <laughs> You right. know, sarcasm, <laughs> like, in, like seriously, to where it's like you could be sarcastic and people still thought you were being honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was like a lot of people could get off with like dry sarcasm and people would just, you know, think that you're weird. I don't know. That's but, hilarious. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, I love, love Daria. She's very sarcastic. She's not pessimistic, you know, but she, um, 
she just doesn't really care to engage with most things that are going on in the world because right. just like why get the fuck out of here just like it's nihilistic that's yeah, the yeah. you're looking for yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. a nihilist she, she, she's all the way into that but um, she has a best friend Jane and I, I, I feel like I'm very much a Jane although my, my girlfriend thinks that I'm, I'm a Kevin so <laughs> Kevin, is. Kevin is a, uh, a douchebag that's like super dumb <laughs> <laughs> Very dumb douchebag of the of the cartoon, but all right. Tessa. Yeah, I identify with Jane, the uh, the artsy best friend. She's like, you're not a Jane, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're a, Kevin. a Kevin. Yeah, but um, uh, Daria. Nice. I wanted to hear more about um about the what's the name uh, the Roman, Denzel movie. Oh, uh, Roman J. Esquire. Yeah, it was uh, it was really good. It had its problems, definitely mm. for sure. I think it's a little too long. Okay. And I think that the character of uh, Roman J. Esquire is not as developed as it could be. Mm. Um, but I mean, Denzel Washington is always a good actor. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I haven't seen a bad performance from Denzel. Yeah. Uh, and the review said that this was a bad performance, but in mm. my opinion, I just think that he was playing sort of a, like a, a lawyer savant that's mm. very obviously sort of on the autistic spectrum okay. kind of thing. So uh, I think he fell into the trap of having the quirks identify the character uh, more than the character identify with the quirks, yeah. The character. Yeah. Uh, so I think mm. he fell into a little bit of that trap, but yeah. his performance wasn't bad by okay. any means. All right. It was just a little kind of like, uh, all right, fucking, I get it. What? Uh, how, how about Colin? How did he do? Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. Yeah. I he did. He was just Colin Farrell. Mm. He didn't really do anything over the top. Yeah. Or had any particularly interesting, like acting mm. thing. Not like not kind of like he does in the Jerkos Lanthimos movies. He was okay. just like smooth lawyer guy all the right. entire time. Yeah. Uh, the movie's like it's very simple, but I think it's a very it's, it's a long drawn out story mm. about this like savant lawyer whose like partner dies and now he's got to find another job. Mm. So he finds uh, he's broke, and then he makes a decision to give someone up for reward money. Okay. And then it's just kind of him dealing with the guilt of that decision, uh. but uh, and then and, like the consequences of that and him becoming another person and then realizing that he has to stay true to himself. Yeah. And all of that shit, but the decision of like. Taking the money never really takes a moral question in the movie, mm. and I w- it just kind of like he transforms into this guy that he's not. Yeah, and then he goes like, "Ah, oh, fuck, uh, this is wrong," and then he transforms back into like what he was at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and then he gets, <laughs> and then he just like the ending of the movie just happens. Oh well, shit! So it was it hmm. was it was good. Yeah, because it's fun to watch Denzel be Denzel in a screen mm. like and and act. Yeah. Um, and like the movie, it was Steven Sodom, Sodom, Soderberg, yeah. Soderberg, I yeah. think. And his directing style is always like very simple and satisfying. I would, I would say. Uh, all right. I didn't find a lot of like complexity in the shots or anything mm. like that. It was just straightforward. I like, I like the way that he moves his cameras. I mean, uh, it reminds me of uh, of uh, Spielberg a little bit. You can tell that he's always, in, or um, or a Spike Lee, mm. that he's always on a dial, a dolly of some kind, and moving around, like moving around corners. Um, and close-ups as well, but um, but yeah, he's not really uh, setting shots up in a way that uh, he's telling uh, stories with pictures. But it's just as someone with slight ADD, it's like I do like when I'm watching his movies that things are constantly moving. Right. Yeah. You know? He's not like Edgar writing it. Yeah. 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 But yeah. he's pointing the camera yep. purposely, but very simply. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. And it, and it works. I think yeah. the close-ups in this movie are like the prettiest looking thing yeah. in the movie. Yeah. He does this thing where like Denzel sort of spaces out and his ears start ringing. Mm. And the close-up, whenever that happens, is a very, like, really cool device to mm. let you know that Denzel is kind of freaking out. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was a fun movie. Uh, nothing too special, but it was good. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I'm trying to think if I've seen anything else. Oh, I rewatched Guardians of the Galaxy. First one. Uh, second one. Oh, why, why'd you do that? Uh, well, my parents were watching it, and oh, I just okay. kind of walked in the room and huh. I just sat down. Yeah. Um, but I rewatched it, and I still have like a lot of the problems with the movie. Mm-hmm. But the second time around, it was just kind of like I, I wasn't angry at the movie. Mm-hmm. It, it was a weird, mellow out experience about watching Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. two again. Um, but I had a good time with that. It was alright. Alright. Um. I'm trying. Did I watch anything else? I don't think so. I watched so much bullshit mm. uh, that I don't remember <laughs> anymore. Anyway, I think that's it for that's, me. It's been, like I think expectations like really destroy um, the content <laughs> or or just um, the, uh, the ability to appreciate things sometimes just by expectations. There's this um, this is guy, a basketball player named Lonzo Ball, mm-hmm. and everybody got to see him in college, and it was like, okay, he's pretty good, he's all right. Yeah. Then his dad, this guy named Lavar Ball, was like, nope, he's the best basketball player to ever play basketball. He's better than Michael Jordan. He's better than Steph Curry right now. Blah blah. blah. So all these same people that watched him play basketball, it was like, should I believe what I've been seeing, or should I believe this? idiot asshole who's saying this crazy stuff so then they believe the idiot asshole crazy stuff then they see the kid play and then it was like well he's not good he's right. not good at all but i'm like well you're listening to those expectations he's not going to be good in comparison to that yeah, so it's like so it's i think the same thing like within within content it's like if, if people are saying yeah this is the best movie ever you have to go see this this is great so then you walk into it you know with those expectations so if it's not great then it's just your your experience in it isn't gonna it's tainted already yeah absolutely you know, I agree. That's, I think people hype shit up too much. Yeah, uh, I, def- I think Guardians of the Galaxy definitely suffered yeah. from that, like the second one, because you were writing of the like the way for the first one. Yeah, and I was just like, well, the first one was like the funniest Marvel movie. Yeah. This one has to be funnier. Yes, and I think they fucked it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what, something I, I I wanted to get into that with the uh, the the second Stranger Things because mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so we've seen these letdowns before. Like, let's not set ourselves up again. So right. I mean. Hopefully, we can continue to do that into the future, like not destroying movies because we've um, unjust, unjustly put too much expectation on it ourselves. The know? good thing about the Stranger Things is that I think that they've, they're pretty self-contained in yes. like how people look at them. It which is, is now, yeah. It's good for the show. It is. I uh, there's... A, oh, fuck. I, 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 I wanted to say that I started playing tennis again. Oh. And then I had another thought, and then they got crossed. So I'm going to ignore the other one and keep going with tennis. All right. Uh, I started playing tennis again uh, with Alyssa and her boyfriend, mm-hmm. and I fell five times mm-hmm. uh, last time I got in the court. Yeah, because uh, my shoes suck, mm-hmm. and I like. But it is so satisfying. Did, did you play tennis? No. Like it was so satisfying to just like hit a forehand and then just like hear the like the mm-hmm. of like just the pop of the racket. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, I feel so fucking good. So I'm gonna go play tennis again. All right. I, I enjoy the shit out of that. Hey. And it's it's it's. I don't know, it, it, it's weird because I, I, when you don't work out or, like, do a sport for a while mm. and then you start doing it, like, your blood vessels kind of, like, genuinely feel like they're, like, expanding. Yeah. Like, way more rapidly than you feel like it. Mm. So at some point in the tennis court, you just feel like, like an anime character about to go crazy and some shit. Mm. And then you have a good run and you run, like, seven times side to side and then return every ball. Mm. And then you feel like you got the biggest dick in the world and then you <laughs> fall flat on your face. That's that's me playing tennis. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's a good time. I fell f- like five times. Yeah, and a lot of them were just like me, like like not like a trip. It was just like I hit the ball and I spun and then I fell. Okay, on my fucking face. Mm. So yeah, that <laughs> happened. That All right, a, that was a fun time. Okay. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? 
Uh, that's all that I've seen. Um, the only th- other thing I had was the apologia for uh, the I, Tanya movie last week. I was trying to recall some stuff that happened in 1994 when I was 10 years old. I got most of the information right, but not all of it. Um, first, so if you heard last week's episode, um, it was Tanya Harding that actually attacked Nancy Kerrigan, not the other way around. Okay. It was with a, um, a police baton and not a crowbar. And um, she actually did go on to uh, to compete in the uh, the 1994 Olympics to win the silver medal. Nancy did, or uh, Nancy Kerrigan did. Okay. Yeah. She got her legs broken. Uh, Nancy Kerrigan, okay. and it wasn't broken. They were just like fucked up pretty bad. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, she she went on. She she could still compete, but um, yeah, it just threw me off. Like looking at the uh, the cover and I Tanya, and I was like, they wouldn't be making a movie about like the the person that went to jail. But, like, no, they very much are. Like, it's 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 um, Margot Robbie is starring as that character, like the the cunt son of a bitch that you know tried to have her opponent taken out. So, okay, that's that's my apology from last week. So Got, did get that, that, come, right. that that came out already. Didn't yeah, it? yeah, last okay. week. Yeah, nice. That was that was it then. Yeah, no, I think that's all I've seen. I just seen Roman Reigns, Carter, the mm-hmm. room. And a couple of bad television shows mm. here and then. That's yeah. it. Oh, I don't know if I talked about this, but mm. I, I, there's one show on Netflix that's made in Russia. Mm. It's called this the, the Sniffer. Mm. Have I talked about this yet? I think we might have uh, premiered it or something. It sounds familiar. Go ahead. No, no, we did not premiere this because this okay. is like some weird bullshit Russian thing. All right. Where it's like Sherlock Holmes, but the guy smells everything to solve the crimes, mm. and he like he's just like the smart asshole. And whenever he shows up to a crime scene, he takes out his nose plugs, mm. and then he smells the literally smells the scene, yeah. and then he figures out where everyone was and what everyone was doing, mm. and it's fucking ridiculous. And I think everyone should give it a go if you want an, a, a procedural crime television mm. that's in Russian with some Sherlock type asshole thing. Um, but he sniffs the crime scene every time. He sniffs the crime scene. Okay, and it's it's ridiculous, and I love it. I lo- I love that kind of weird. Yeah. Bullshitty. Yeah. Like crime show. <laughs> that is, yeah. <laughs> you clicked out. You clicked out of that conversation already. Give it a go. Watch <laughs> it. Watch the sniffer. It's on Netflix. It's in Russian. Bear with it. I watch. It's, I watch half the season. Like our our like the things that we enjoy are so vastly different. Yeah. It was like I'm watching The Crown, like one of the most like, <laughs> elegant you know, type of things. And then I'm like, no, don't watch that. You're not gonna get into that. And then you're like, The Sniffer. Everyone should watch yeah. it. I'm just like, hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an experiment. Yeah. And whatever the fuck that part of Russia is thinking. All right. That show had four seasons. Mm. They made money off of this show. Yeah. I want to see what the fuck is happening in Russia, yeah. where a guy that sniffs crime scene is like prime time yeah. fucking television. It's, it's pretty out there. <laughs> it's pretty fucking weird. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna cut and then we're gonna come back with a uh, cool hand Luke. <laughs> And welcome back to the For Film Slate Podcast. We're going to be talking about uh, Cool Hand Luke. Hey, Cool okay. Hand Luke. Uh, let's see. Rundown. Cool Hand Luke is a 1967 crime film drama. Has two hours and seven minutes as a runtime. Um, let's see. The rundown is a laid-back southern man is sentenced to two years in a rural prison but refuses to conform. Uh, it's directed by Stuart Rosenberg. It's written by Don Pierce and uh, Frank Pearson. And it stars Paul Newman and George Kennedy. Uh, this movie was given a uh, 8.2 on IMDb, 100 on Rotten Tomatoes, 4 out of 4 by Roger Ebert. Um, let's see. What do we think? Let's go into it. Uh, 
How, how do you think I feel about this movie? I, I don't want to do this again. Don't want to do this. Like a week after week, it's like I'd rather be objective than uh, I, I, about how Bron feels about the movie. I really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> okay, it was really good. Sheesh. Uh, it was long. It was yeah. long. It was like, how, was it like two hours? What's around? Uh, two hours seven minutes. Sorry, seven minutes. It was. It was. It was. It was a little too long mm. for me. But I enjoyed this movie. Like I, I. I don't know if I've seen Paul Newman in anything before. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't think I recognize Bush, this. Face. Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. No, I, I know he's like a, I know those movies, but I don't think oh, I've seen them. You've seen those? Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, like, I didn't know who he was as an actor. I've never seen him act yeah. quite like that before. And, uh, I mean, the movie was just, it was good. It was, mm-hmm. it was a quiet, sort of laid-back movie that got really intense out of nowhere, like, in, like after the middle part. Okay. Uh, so, like, the first half of the movie, I thought it was going to be this sort of, like, how do you say it? Like Shawshank Redemption time movie? Uh, Except they never attempted a prison break. Yeah. And he just kind of like lived out the two years in prison. And mm. it's kind of like how this guy changed the attitude of all the prisoners in the jail. Because mm. he, he was kind of like a rebel. And like I thought that he would bring some sort of joy to the prison camp mm. by being the rebel. And so like everyone would leave a little bit more invigorated mm. with life. It's actually way sadder than that. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. fucking depressing. Yes. <laughs> Near the end. But, like, the first half of the movie, I thought it was going to be, like, that sort of, like, well, this guy is just serving his two years. He's having a good time. He mm. knows his circumstances. Yeah. And he's going to give everyone a sense of individuality that's missing. Mm. And that's kind of the vibe I got for, like, maybe an hour. And and, and then it just kind of, his mom died of cancer. Yeah. And then he's just like, well, we're going to keep you in the box because mm. uh, you might run. And and Cr- just, Cried every time. Like, the first time I watched that, cried. The second time, cried. Like, it, that's that that's hurts that shit hurts it's a, it's a, it's a sad movie you know it's hard like, to watch shit. the um i didn't know which um which angle we were going to you wanted to attack this one from right. cuz like the my the reason i loved it the uh, first couple of times was just the uh, the story of the individual um refusing to conform you know regardless of what's being thrown at him and really just making himself a martyr right. you know in 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 the end and that's that's one angle that I really love, and another angle that you know when when you look up Cool Hand Luke online, everything is going through um, religious symbolism, you know. And you can you can like well not not that you can that they have so many people have written so many essays about um, the religious symbolism in there, and Cool Hand Luke being the Christ figure. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that was just something that I it's it's not something that I, I'm consciously aware of while I'm watching it until you know doing research for this movie. And they um they showed the first time when when Luke is is saying that he can eat fifty eggs. Yeah, that was the one yeah. that I was gonna bring up. Yeah. I think that's the most obvious religious symbolism. Super obvious, yeah. Because yeah. um it, you even see it in the cut, like when they have him laid down on the on the table first, just completely beaten and done. You know, he's he's, he's he has nothing left. And when he's laying on the table there, he has both of his arms by his side, and his his legs aren't crossed right. like in the Jesus um uh, way or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when they cut back to it, he's you know both arms are hanging off the table. His legs are crossed. I'm like, you obviously put him in this position so I could see that imagery, you know, of that Christ Christ figure. So, I mean, uh, I, I like that they added that in there. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a very, like, effectively directed movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like the cinematography looks it's simple, mm-hmm. but it's gorgeous and, 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 and an interesting uh-huh. sort of... Um, I, I want to say it's gorgeous in that interesting sort of grainy 35 millimeter kind of way. All right. Where like it, te- it technically doesn't look as pretty as it could, mm. but the fact that it doesn't adds to the like the tone of the movie. I think. You know I want, what I'm saying? Yeah, oh yeah, def- definitely do. I, I just wanted to uh, refute the like. I think his, his cinematography was. I mean, 
kind of like I, I'm more than simplistic just because it made me think of Hitchcock a lot or it made me think back to um to a lot of uh, cinematography classes to where you're telling a story with pictures rather than words. Right. Well, when I say simple and, and simple versus complicated is mm. that, I mean, that there's not a lot of moving parts in, no. the, in the cinematography. Oh, God, yeah. You know what I'm saying? True. Very true. So, like, the camera yeah. is usually, like, very still yeah. or moving with, the like, the truck or inside the truck. Or the camera is usually, like, stood in a place. Mm. That's what I mean by simple. There's not, there, he's not, not moving around no. and flying around and mm -mm. making all this, like, complicated composite shots. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I mean by simple. Yeah, I, was, I, I like when when movies do things like that. It's like when you show me something instead of uh, telling me right out. Mm -hmm. You know, because there there's scenes where where Luke is just going way too far. It just keeps going overboard and overboard, and it's just like it's unnecessary. And then instead of um, someone saying something to him, you'll see a um, <clears throat> you'll see a close up of the the man with no eyes. You'll see a close up of his sunglasses Man. and him just staring down Luke. And it's just very ominous. And then at the very beginning, that you've seen that exact same shot, and then it panned off to a stop sign, and then just dissolved the stop sign. <laughs> it's just like fucking, just stop, Luke. Fucking stop it. You know. And it's like I, I, I like stuff like that. So um, what, when when else do we see see that um, before before the fight? The um, so so Luke is getting into it with um, drag. Drag. Yeah, he's yeah. getting a drag line. And uh, they're sitting there talking. Was like, you know what, boy? Now, now you're gonna have to get ready for tomorrow because tomorrow is gonna be me and you. And then they show the the fan spinning. You know, mm -hmm. as if just like somebody's thinking is just just going round and round and round. Then the next thing you see is a close up of a fist directly POV. You know, to just the fucking hitting the camera. Yeah, yeah. So it's like like you said, it's very simple, but it was just like I like the the storytelling with pictures. Oh yeah, you know, for sure. Saying, the, yeah. The, the cinematography is very effective. Yeah. That you can, you can tell what the emotional tone of what the director wants you to see. Yeah. Uh, just by looking at the at the screen, which is something that not a lot of directors are, are, are quite good. Not, not nowadays, no. Yeah, uh -uh. Not nowadays, for fucking sure. Mm -mm. Just curious, is this movie anywhere near the Criterion Collection? Uh, no, it's not in Criterion no, Collection. I, I feel mm. like this is a movie that would be good for the Criterion Collection. Mm. Um, just It just had that Criterion Collection-y vibe okay. to me, and I was curious if it was. Mm. Um, the sunglasses, dude, uh, I, I liked what they did with them to set up oh, the yeah. ending of the movie. Yeah. Because um, every time that they would they would show it like a drastic close up and they would zoom in on Luke, yeah. there were like two or three instances where that would happen and then he would shoot something mm. to let you know how good of a shot. He yes, is. that that snake, <laughs> like uh, Luke, like everybody's um like running around away from this rattlesnake and Luke was like fuck and Luke does not give a fuck no. about his life. Like <laughs> and, and, he, and he and he tells you that at, at one scene where it, um it's starting a thunder and lightning and he was like Luke ain't you scared you don't want to get inside the, in, in the truck get out of the rain he was like what am I scared of he said God he can have his little old body anytime that he wants I'm not worried about that he was like just say something to me love me hate me you know spite me do anything just let me know that you're there he was like oh, what oh just talking to myself in the rain you know <laughs> so it's just like he he wants there to be some type of proof of of justice or it's kind of like the um the Jesus symbol of the God why are you forsaken me yeah. you know if you are there then why are you fucking me over you know so he's just trying to figure out like what's going on out here in, in this world you know i i feel like he's one of those characters like first of all he's obviously a character that has like um a, a problem with authority oh yeah uh, definitely but he's also one of those those characters that are i i, I don't want to use the word martyr mm. but they're they're characters that have experienced some sort of trauma in their life uh, in a way that they they're reckless and they don't care what happens to them, because whatever happens to them just proves the, their point, right? That there's nothing that God can do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of a martyr, you know. 
Yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't. But he's not dying for the cause of God. You know, I'm, he's dying I'm, for the, the not cause necessarily of, God. God, though. Yeah. I mean, you're, but I was thinking maybe he is dying for you know his his for the the, the other inmates. Right. You know, because like when when he was doing all those things and he had the entire inmates on his side, mm -hmm. but then when he finally decided to conform and got his mind right, and then nobody was on his side anymore. So then you know he decided to go back again, and then everybody's back on his side, and he eventually just died for it. So I mean, yeah. as, you know, some like I don't know, if, I don't know, like I don't know if he cared, did it for God. I think it was more for himself. You know, if anything, I didn't think he was down for God or the image. Yeah, well, you know? well, that was that was my point. That mm -hmm. I think that the this idea of like trying to fit into places mm -hmm. that he doesn't quite fit in yeah. because of his like problem with authority and his nonconformist attitude, I think that led him to suicide by cop. Yeah, that's essentially what I was trying to do. Oh yeah. Because uh, he was doing fine, and then the mother died. Mm -hmm. And then he sort of, and I feel like that's when the character shift happened, where he went from being like, I'll just do my time, and I'll just do the small rebellious acts, mm -hmm. and I'll get out of here in two years. Yeah. And uh, versus like after the mother died, where he just sort of got, well, God doesn't give a shit. Yeah. No one gives a shit. I'm yeah. alone in this, so I'm just going to leg it. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll, I feel like that was a character shift that was trying to give you the message of the movie, mm -hmm. where like it wasn't about a particular cause or anything. It was about being angry at the world mm -hmm. and like the ultimate form of authority, yeah. which would be a god, yeah. and rebelling against it. I think that's what it was about. That's what got him in the... Uh Got him in prison in the first place. It was like, uh, so what were we doing? Is you was a uh, old uh, old war war hero? He's a war hero. Who told you that? He was like, yeah, we heard you were over there cutting off the heads on the bubblegum jars. <laughs> you know the um, what, what are they actually called? Uh, parking meters. Yeah. He yeah. was like, uh, yeah. So so, and it was like, why did you do that in the first place? And he was like, uh, well, mostly I guess you could say I was just settling an old score. <laughs> you know, so so it's just like same that same thing, that authority thing. And then when he did it, you know, he he cut off the uh, the heads of those things, and then just sat there and started drinking a cold pop and waiting for the police to get there. Yeah. you know, <laughs> it's just like did not give a fuck they're, at all. They're small acts of defiance because mm -hmm. I think for a character like like Lucas, fuck, what's his Luke? Luke. What's his cool last name? Luke. Oh, I don't know what Luke's last Luke name. Luke Jackson, maybe Johnson, Luke. whatever. Luke. Someone like a character like Luke mm -hmm. uh, would would do those small acts of defiance mm. because he's angry at the world and he doesn't feel like he belongs in a place like it. Yeah. And 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 I, it's an interesting character study for someone like that. Mm -hmm. Because we see those characters in movies all the time. We see it in, in, in Woody Allen and Annie Hall. Okay. That yeah. same rebellious attitude. Uh, he plays it for comedy. Mm -hmm. But like when the cop stalls him, it's like, you're going to have to end, ask yeah. me nicely because yeah. uh, I have a problem with authority. He tears it up, license. yeah. Uh, th those kind of people exist all the time, mm -hmm. and, and and I'm kind of one of those people. When someone mm -hmm. asks me with authority, yeah. asks me to do something like that, I'm just like, I don't want to do it. Go mm -hmm. fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, I, I related to Luke in in this movie. I, I felt like I related to him. Oh yeah. Uh, like really badly. I didn't cry in the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it didn't hit like a really like strong heartstring. Mm -hmm. um, but I I thoroughly enjoyed myself watching Luke be Luke. And interacting with all these like cellmates and, and and just like the first half of the movie was fun. Mm. It was really fun. I enjoyed watching Luke interact with all these people and sort of get settled in. Mm. And then like the movie just takes such a drastic tone shift after that conversation with the mother mm. that it it it, it just kind of it didn't it didn't kill my enjoyment, but it, it left me wanting a little bit more of the happiness mm. on it. Which I guess is the point of the movie. You know, yeah. you're not gonna get what you. You're want. not gonna get the happiness out of that um, at all. Mm -mm. 
But like, it left me wanting a little bit more of that happiness, because hmm. like from that moment on, it's just sad, 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 sad. Oh yeah, like his um, and that's that's where you know he's really going down that 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 hole, because um, his mom his mom's telling him like, don't even worry about by the time you get out, I'll be long dead. Right. You know, so that's that's for one. So there's nothing really to look forward to with that. And um, his his brother and his uh, his nephew were there, and his brother gives him his guitar, and he was like, well now there's nothing for you to come back to. You know, so it's like not this. This is everything. Your mom's gonna be dead. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want you around my son. Here's the last piece of property that you might own that w- might make you want to come back to us yeah. after two years. So there's no reason for that. We never want to see you again. You know, so he goes back and he's uh, starts singing. Um, it's a, a, like an old uh, hymnal uh, type type uh, mm-hmm. folk song, and it's it's that, that was, that's like the first crying moment for me, I guess, because you can just see a guy with so much pride and so much life in him and it's, it's just tearing him apart you know that the little by little is tearing him tearing him down it's just like fuck guy it's, it's, it's just it was just so hard to see and then the very next morning like like we were talking about earlier um the uh the warden or the, the guy over the the prison he says that uh, usually when someone's parents die that they get the rabbit in their blood mm-hmm. and they uh, they decide they want to go run they want to go get away so we're going to keep you off the road and then he locks him up in solitary confinement you know for the day so it's like it's not even like you're just going to go stay on the yard or yeah, right. you know do some other work you're locked up in the hole in a box in Which darkness <laughs> yes you know, so like, let's just compound the fact that your mom is dead and put you inside this box for the whole day. And the guy is like, um, he's telling Luke as he's shutting the door, he was like, you know, I'm just doing my job. You can appreciate that, right? He was like, well, calling it your job doesn't make it no better. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you can do what you're going to do, but, you know, it's fucked. And that's a, that's the interesting thing about this relationships, because at first, all the inmates, you know, didn't like Luke. Yeah. Because um, he was new meat. Uh, but then his charisma sort of won them over, even won Drag over, and they became yeah. good friends. Yeah. But then he also started doing that with the the bosses, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the people that worked keeping them in check. Yeah. Like he was being friendly with them mm-hmm. up until that point. Yeah. And and that was kind of the sad. That was sadder for me to watch and than a lot of the scenes because he it, it, it was like he had a sense of community mm. and then he threw it away because he didn't want to conform to their standards because yeah. he just didn't fit in with those standards and he, yeah he refused the um i mean another big symbolism was the uh, the digging your own grave mm-hmm. you know it's like the things that you're doing like you're seeing the stop signs and all this stuff and then it's just like you're metaphorically digging your own grave by your your actions that you're doing and now you are literally yep. digging your own grave you know by by your by your actions and and like like the warden told him like that was his second time running away you know and got caught so now he's with two chains on and two chains (laughs) 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 two chains around his leg now and um what the guy told me was like so why i I told so-and-so that this is uh so-and-so's ditch why you got your dirt inside the the, the boss's ditch he's like i don't know so get your dirt out of the ditch so he takes all he digs all the dirt out of the ditch he was like what you doing with all your dirt all over my yard (laughs) yeah put it back inside they're just sort of going back and forth to like it's finally nighttime and he's and and the thing about the day is he's coming off of his mother dying and then sitting inside the hole all day and then he's thinking that uh because dragon tells him it was like don't worry nothing about that boy we got a full day and a half you know to to stay on the court it's going to be uh fourth of july or whatever so he's thinking that he's going to have a day to just chill back and kick it and party no you're digging your grave all day you know so until he finally gets his mind right and he's and that's still not going to be enough you know it's nothing was enough for for luke 
No, but they, they, that was a moment where like they actually broke. He really the did broke. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. that was actually like a genuine emotional moment yeah. for me when like the dude was just like uh, the, the warden asked him a question and he was just like I don't know, boss. What's the point? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, anymore. And like they started beating him and then he like actually broke down. Yeah, that was that was I feel like the most emotional moment in the film because mm. I got to see a character that was so defined against authority that mm. he would run twice. And knew how to do it pretty effectively. Yeah, but always get getting caught. He didn't care about getting caught. Yeah. It was it was you know what I'm it was just like what his mom says, like um, get, go in there and have fun. And those two years will go by like nothing. Yeah. So it's like he's just out there having fun. Like, and that's what I was telling Tessa too. I'm like, you have the ability to to leave three times, but you can't not get yourself caught one of those times. But he don't give a fuck. He don't give a fuck about being caught. But I, I feel like at some point he wasn't only like getting caught. I feel like at some point he just like willingly let himself get caught. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and I think that that part of and this is why I personally like the movie. Mm. I think that at some point instead of him just getting caught and getting punishment for it, mm. I think that it, what he was aiming for, he wanted to not be alive, and he wanted to commit suicide. Mm. I think because of like the way his life was going, but he didn't want to do it. Like, a, like, a, like an actual suicide. So mm. he kept getting caught and coming back, seeking that punishment. Maybe because I think he felt guilty about the mom in some regard. Mm. Uh, he had some sort of guilt carried in him. He kind of like, maybe he wasn't the best son or, or whatever the fuck he was. But I yeah. felt like this was, these were actions motivated by guilt. And he was mm. looking at this punishment to get this punishment because he wanted to to sort of redeem himself yeah. for that. Okay. I think. And, 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 and then like that made the ending sadder for me because in my mind he didn't get killed he committed suicide by cops oh 100 yeah. percent. like yeah yeah i don't think that's that's very questionable um that's that's one of the biggest did you recognize that line from uh, any other movie oh yeah the what we have here is a failure to communicate yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i didn't reckon I, didn't, I don't think i've heard it in any other movie uh it was in uh, the mask was it the mask yeah oh, okay then no I and uh, a few other things but yeah that's that was a like iconic line what we have here is failure to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, like, there's a whole speech after that. But it, it was just like, yeah, some some people, you know, want it one way. And it's like, and this is this the exact same way that he wants it. So he gets it. Yeah. You know, and this, I don't like it any more than any of you like it. But this is what Luke wants. You know, and, and it's very true. Like, this is what Luke wants. Yeah. Luke is putting himself through that. And like I was saying earlier, just little, just digging his own grave, you know, just to be nonconformist and to not comply. And it's, yeah. um, it's. I don't. I don't know. It's, it's tough for me because, like the the individual that watched this movie some years ago, it was like identifying with Luke. Mm. You know, not conforming, being an individual, and being having the ability to do so many things on my own. That why do I need anybody else? Why do I need the group? And there was a good scene that um at the towards the end where um they're talking about the uh, the picture where he has these uh, these beautiful women. They're like, no, it's real. It's real. It's like, no, I'm telling you, it's fake. It's bullshit. Why does it even matter? He was like, stop feeding off me. Stop feeding off my life. Get out of here yourself yeah. yeah 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 so that's that's like feeling feeling like that very much and then towards the uh, the end of the movie you see that he still he doesn't realize like what uh companionship and partnership and being a part of something bigger than yourself is and uh dragline tries to explain that to him so um when when they finally leave and dragline was and he's saying um oh i think we should split up 
you know, is what um what Luke is saying. Mm-hmm. And Drag Drag is like, well, what what do you mean? It's like, oh, well, I only had a couple years left till till I seen you get on that truck, and then I was just so hyped up and excited and seeing what you were doing that I just lost control of myself and I got on on the truck. You know, so he's saying number one, it was like, had you not been a part of this situation, then I would have just stayed there in the first place. There's something about your your energy, your fuel, your charisma that engages people that you know that makes people want to to do more and be more than themselves. You know, right. and he he tells him that, and Luke doesn't think anything about it. He's just like, whatever. I'm gonna I'm getting up and I'm gonna go start walking, and um, it, it's he's still trying to be on his own, and it's just like he just didn't didn't understand what he's what people meant to him. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's right. like people people needed more than themselves, but Luke didn't, so he didn't he couldn't empathize with drag. Right, and and and, and that's. That's the sad part because mm. he ends up being a lonely character the entire film, despite yeah. the fact that he's got people that genuinely care for him. Yes, in a way. yeah. Um, like the the scene that was really cool is when they he comes back the first time, and then the dog boy just piles rice on top of his plate. I love that line. Yeah. Do you remember the line that I'm talking about? Uh, no. It's like you're you're starting to really stink, aren't you, boy? You stinking so bad that I'll be able to sniff you out on my own. And it's <laughs> like yeah, that won't be too hard for a genuine son of a bitch. <laughs> that was a pretty good line uh, but that happens after that the, what I'm talking about they're mm. back and that happens when they're getting water in the road mm. what I'm talking about happens back at the cabin Okay. when they're getting food and then it's just like a free man like this guy's got a free man's appetite gonna power oh, up his rice. plate high mm. uh, otherwise you're gonna spend a night in the box mm-hmm and if you don't clear your plate, and yeah. you like give him like an enormous amount of rice. Oh, I see where you're going. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And like, and and that was the moment when he realized that he was part of the community mm-hmm. when everybody was helping him get food off of his plate. Yeah. And so that he didn't have to spend a night in the box. Yep. But I feel like what happened in Luke said is that he had to be that member of the community mm-hmm. that would inspire them to leave the place yeah. by leaving again. Yeah. So I, I feel like it sort of became like a cycle where he would leave. Just for the pure fact of maybe trying to get someone else to leave with him. Maybe, yeah. 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 So he could keep inspiring them in a way because he that's, realized that was the only way that... Yeah. See, that's where the, the martyr thing was coming in for me, too. It's just like, I'm, I agree. Like, I don't know if his intentions were purely for them, if they were for himself and the things that the demons that he was dealing with for himself as well. So it's just like, I can't really get a gauge on exactly why he's, you know, doing these things. But but one one thing, his his last... last um, the, the, cam- the, the straw that bro- broke the camel's back for me was, um, so he's doing these things by trying to escape, and then he has the, uh, the entire prison support system, you know, helping him, no matter what the uh, the guards are doing to him, you know, the other inmates are still loving him, but then as soon as he actually needs support himself, as soon as he, he like they say, he gets his mind right, and he's literally broken, yeah. you know, like he he can't he can't stand up on his own, like he's walking in there, and there's, we've seen in the movie up to that point, him walking into there broken and beaten, and then the other inmates coming and like taking him by the arms and by the shoulders and you know setting him up and fixing his cuts and putting like cold compresses on him and just a number of those situations but this time when he's down to nothing he's lost everything he's been beaten he's dug his own grave he's cried and hugged the boss's leg and just saying I'll be a good boy I'll do everything and then everybody turns their back on him yep. and he walks into the the prison and and struggling nobody helps him get in, get up to his bed while he's on the ground and he's just like where are you now mm-hmm. where's everybody at now 
you know, and, and that's just like where, where it's just, that's, I don't know, those are the parts that hurt me, you know, just as a human being and just seeing the symbolism and the metaphor, you know, just when, when you, um, when you have things and things are going so well and everyone is there, you know, have yeah. your back. And then as soon as everything is gone, you know, I mean, I've been through it, friends have been there, people, like people go through, everyone's going to have to go through yeah. it, unfortunately, you know, when everything is gone and then it's just like, where's everybody at? Where are all the hundreds of friends and all, all, all this accessibility to things that I had before? You know, this is when I need you the most. And everyone turned their back on him. So he, at that point, I think, like I said, it just broke the camel's back. And he was like, well, fuck these guys. Like, I, I am on my own. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think he did it for selfish reasons, but I also think he did it. For them a little bit, To maybe. try to get yeah. some of that, like, rebellious spirit into the group. Mm. And I think he, he, he enjoyed the fact that he did it. He got a lot of drag mm. uh, near the end of the movie. Um, the, the, the one really cool thing I liked about this movie is that the character Luke always remained thoroughly consistent. Mm. Uh, and and uh, even at the end, he was like smiling. Like the whole time yeah. he was uh, smiling through everything that happened. Because yep. for him, I think he was, it was just something to do. Yes. Like, like he didn't have a lot going for him after the war. Mm. And it was just something to do. And he even says it when he's about to like eat the 50 eggs, mm. which is really an act of masochism. Yes. Um, he, he just goes like, ah, it'll be something to do. Yep. And like that's not a guy that, you know, the guy that says that is not the guy um, that feels good about a lot of things. Oh, no. Huh? You know, it's yeah. definitely like a broken character. Yeah. But it's a broken character with the sort of poise and charisma mm. that makes you want to be broken with him. Yeah. I, I, I guess is the way I should mm. phrase it. So, like, in terms, of, in terms of writing, Paul Newman's character, Luke, is probably one of the, one of the most interestingly written characters I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, purely because of the fact that I, I understand what he's doing, but I don't necessarily know why he's doing it. And I'm interested in why he's doing these sort of things. Yeah. And I'm interested in why he interacts with everybody the way that he does. Even when he's talking to his mom, you can tell that there's a silence acknowledgement of feelings, mm-hmm. but not one that anything will ever be said out loud. Yeah. He's that kind of guy that he'll walk away and like give you a nod of the head, and that means whatever you wanted to hear at that moment. Yeah. But he'll never give you like a specific emotion. Yeah, I can and, see that definitely. And and I, I and I love that because it makes him. You can project yourself into Luke in that yes. way. Yeah. And it makes the 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 effect of the movie a lot stronger. Because now you're not watching somebody. You're like, I could be that guy. Yeah. Like, I, I could genuinely see myself in Luke's shoes because we all want to be that guy in some way, shape, or form. We want to rebel against whatever system is out there. Um, a lot of us just don't have the energy mm. or the pride or the charisma or whatever the fuck feels it. Yeah. Um, but Luke did. And, oh, yeah. and, and by watching Luke do this in the movie, the emotional sort of like tone of the movie becomes inspirational. Sad, but inspirational because now you're like, yeah, I can get away from the system. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, and, and then he gets shot. Yeah. And you're like, oh, the system vehemently punishes anyone that tries to get away from yes. it. Yes. And that's what he was trying to tell people. It's mm-hmm. like, no matter what you do, you're going to get punished. Have fun with it. I, I wish I you think. stopped being so good to me, boss. <laughs> <laughs> it's for your own good. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the movie's filled with like tiny little moments of comedy like yes. that. Uh, and like my favorite interactions were honestly with uh, with drag and 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 cool hand. Mm, mm. I think those were some of my favorite. 
My, character buildings. Mine were um, were anybody that's talking to the boss about anything, <laughs> and, not, and not directly. It's just like when they're out there working, taking them off, boss. All right, take them off, take them off, taking them off here, boss. Yeah, yeah, take them off, take them off. Smoking it up. <laughs> yeah, smoking them up here, boss. Yeah, go ahead, smoke it, smoke it on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, put putting them on here, boss. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and put them on. And, you know, she's like, she don't, she don't know what she's doing over there. Like she's some, she, her, her, her top is being held together by nothing but a pin. Come on, pin, just pop. Come on, pin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like. It's a woman she's out there she knows there's inmates out there and she's yeah. like purposely just putting on like she's doing the most like entice these you know uh, guys that haven't had like sex in who knows so long yeah. yeah she's like spreading the suds and water all over her tits and just like oh no and, like <laughs> staring in the like side view mirror and staring inside like the uh, the hood hubcaps so she can like see everybody's expression I'm just <laughs> I love that and um another part that I really really loved uh Carr he was the um the 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 day not day walker the um the floor walker Right. Like if, if I would have seen that script, like that would have been a character I would have been drawn to just for his opening monologue. Like just at the beginning, it's like them clothes got laundry num- numbers on, or you remember your number and you always wear the ones with the number. Any man forgets his number, spends the night in the box. These oh, yeah. here spoons keep with you. Any man loses his spoon, spends the night in the box. No playing grab bass or fighting in the building. You hold a grudge against another man, you fight him on Saturday afternoon. Any playing grab bass or fighting in the building, you spend a night in the box. First bell is five minutes after eight. When you get to the bunk, last bell is at eight. Any man caught outside of his bunk after eight spends a night in the box. There's no smoking in the prone position in bed. The smoke you must have both legs over the side of your bunk any man caught smoking in the prone position in his bunk will spend a night in the box you get two sheets every saturday you put the clean sheet on the top and the top sheet on the bottom and the bottom sheet you turn into the laundry boy any man who turns his wrong sheet in spends a night in the box <laughs> it was just like and there's more it's like it just keeps going on to where luke is just like okay i can't I get the point and then eventually he responds he gets a night in the box and he's like, I, sure, I sure hope you're not going to be a hard case and, and that's miles <laughs> yeah. and you immediately know yeah. that's exactly what it's exactly gonna be. what's going to be. <laughs> I, yeah. I I had a really good time yeah. watching this movie. It was it was long. It was mm. a little too long, mm. but I can't think of anything that I would cut out from the movie. No, just because everything is kind of worked out perfectly. Mm. Um, but uh, I I really legitimately enjoyed it. Mm. I can't say that I felt any strong emotional attachments. To I mean it, I mean yeah, just like um that's that's what what I really love about the podcast. Like because mm. like how, we're almost at a hundred movies, yeah. and you, I can't like. 100 movies right. you know what i mean it's like you're not gonna like all those but it's like as a film critic like i can objectively say this is a good movie yeah. regardless of like if i like it or not you know it's just like I, I i do enjoy that we get to see so many movies that are good you know yeah. it's like we don't out of our 100 movies that we're at how many bad movies you know like seriously have we watched yeah like 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 no. seriously like objectively bad you know like five maybe yeah Tops. maybe Top six. Six, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. objectively bad movies. You know, there's not many. So it's like even movies that we don't enjoy or like, you know, is just, they're still objectively like pretty good movies. Yeah. What I like about it, yeah. I I, I, I don't know if I would watch Kohan Luke again. I wouldn't think so. That would um, be your thing, no. Right. But I think the, like the direction style is really good. Mm-hmm. I like, I love the cinematography. Oh, I yeah. love the shots of them in the road. Mm. Uh, they just look gorgeous. I love like the close-ups on the glasses. Oh, Every time yeah. those happen, I had a, like I enjoyed that. Yeah, I enjoyed how what the fuck's his name, the director. Um, oh, uh, is the Stuart Rosenberg. Stuart Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. I love how like wh- every time like Rosenberg put something on camera, it had a purpose. Yes, to, very purposeful to be in there, and like I, the directing was solid, the running was solid, the performances were amazing. Yeah, 
Uh, Paul Newman is fantastic in this role. He's my favorite old school white guy. Like (laughs) him and Robert Redford, man, they're awesome. Robert Redford, that's that's the guy that I always get mixed Mm. up with before I knew who Paul Newman was. Ah, yeah. Uh, But like Paul Newman's fantastic. Every supporting cast is really good. Oh yeah. Uh, Even like the interactions between characters that only kind of get seen there once or twice, like. Mm. They're just, it's just a fun Very movie fun. to watch yeah. until it gets sad, and then it's just a good movie to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, depending on what you're coming into the movie for, because, like, this movie is not a, I mean, it's, it's those kind that I love, because, like, the main character dies at the end, and I want somebody to die at the end of every <laughs> movie, you know? So it's like, yeah, your main character is, is killed at the end of the movie. It's very sad and um, depressing for, like, the last 45 minutes, but it's just, it's such good filmmaking, and, it it just it touches at something very human that you know just elicits an emotional response from me each time that I watch it. So it's like I don't enjoy watch because you know enjoyment you know like that means you're kind of happy about something that you're yeah, doing. Right. And it's like I'm not enjoying watching you know the last 45 minutes of this, but it just elicits such like a human connection that it's it's so difficult for me to look away. Yeah, because because it, it entices to that rebellious spirit that everyone yeah. has in some way or form. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 I think that's the beauty and point of the movie. Yeah, kind of like you have to rebel at some point. You just gotta choose. Yeah, pick those battles. How to rebel? Yeah, because yeah. uh, someone like Luke didn't pick them. He no. just rebelled all the time. You're gonna fight just, every battle. Gotta fight the system, but fight it smartly. Yeah. I think that's kind of what the movie was trying to say. Mm. Um, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And and what would you rate this movie? Um, I don't believe in such thing as a perfect movie, mm-hmm. so I'm going nine five. Nine five. Mm. I'm gonna give it a solid eight point five mm. for me. Uh, I think it, it's a very good movie. Yeah. But it's not my exact cup of tea. All right. Yeah. Cool. And anything else you want to say about Cool Hand Luke? Uh, no. If you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. It's one of the better movies that have been made. I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it, it's a really brilliant movie. Yeah. So you should definitely see it if you haven't. Uh, but with that being said, we're gonna cut and then I'm gonna we're gonna come right back with tablets and a movie from Hey, be right back. And hey. welcome back. Hey. Uh, television and closing. Yes. Uh, television movies. This is going to be a very short week. Um, starting Tuesday, December the 12th through Monday, December the 18th. Uh, the first one is Tuesday, December the 12th. It's uh, Judd Apatow, The Return. It's a stand-up special on uh, Netflix. Oh, yeah. I forgot Judd Apatow used to do stand-ups. I mean, he, he just started. Um, I think this might be his first um, like televised stand-up special. Right. But he got into it, they say, about 10 years ago. And like after a lot of his movies started becoming like pretty big, mm-hmm. and they said he's doing all right. So, nice. fuck yeah, I'm not gonna watch this. I don't special. know what Judd Apatow looks like if I'm being honest with you. Um, you know what, uh, Mark Maron? Yeah. Imagine Mark Maron and like uh, Seth Rogen and um, Gary Shingling and um, uh, Woody Allen and um, what, what are some more Jewish people? <laughs> he looks like that. So he's a Jew. <laughs> 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 you know, it's like that look, the, the Jewish person look. It's like the, he looks like a Jewish person, yes. 
So it's like, you know, it's like a darker brown of a hair. There's a beard there. There's a little bit of a heft to him, but not too much. You know, he kind of has that neurotic talk to his voice and it's a little nasally. Okay. I mean, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, just the, the general. <laughs> the neurotic comic Jew. Yeah, yeah. The stereotype of the neurotic yes. comedy Jewish guy. I'll be very happy to have a, uh, a Jewish person to come on and uh, stereotype black people. If oh, absolutely. That <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, um, Judd Apatow, The Return, is going to be a stand-up comedy special on Netflix Tuesday, December the 12th. Why did, why did Jewish people become the neurotic comedy writer of the, uh, fo- of the movie world? Uh, How did that happen? I'm guessing sometime around, um, what's the, I have this poster up on my wall. Uh, oh. uh, uh, Jonathan got it for me. Um, we Uh-oh. both watched the movie. I think you watch it. I don't. I don't. Brian Cranston about. is the star of the movie. Brian Cranston. Um, uh, it's, it's Mumbo, no, not Mumbo. It's, it's uh, something Bo, something. The 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 black. I know the, 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 the blacklisted, blacklisted yeah. movie that Brian Cranston was part of. I yeah. think it's Mumbo. M- maybe Mumbo. Maybe yeah. Mumbo. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing it's around like the around that time. Mm-hmm. You know, when there was a, a lot of uh, Jewish writers that were being blackballed, and they all just had to join in together and form their own like little conglomerate. Okay. And it hasn't really broken since then. They had a tight knit group back then because they had to. And right. now it's just kind of sticking just, together. Mm-hmm, yeah. Just writing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they do good, pretty well about their money as well, from what, from what I hear. So uh, <laughs> I guess that, that can keep you around. See, that's a weird thing about that kind of joke. Yeah. Because technically, yeah, it is racist. It is, yeah. But we are calling you financially stable. <laughs> yep. Is that such a bad thing to be called? I guess Financially it would, it, stable? It wouldn't be, you know. Like if, if my whole race had a thing for being called financially stable. Yeah. I'll just be like, yeah, I'll just own all of you later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it's like there's there's different ways to look at it because like one person can be saying that you're frugal and another person can say you're a tightwad, you know, penny-pinching, like, fuck. You I know, guess, so it's like yeah. they're both kind of the same person, but it's, you're just looking at it differently. I've just always said, I just always thought like that stereotype happened because they, they were smart. They are. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, we're just, we're just keep our... Yeah, money there. We're just gonna keep our money. We're gonna keep it over here. Yeah. If you want some of this, then you come to us, and yeah. then that's how we're gonna run that. That's how it's gonna work. And yeah. So now we own you. Yes. Fuck you. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's what I imagined that conversation happening. Yeah. Trumbo. Trumbo. There we yeah. Go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so. Yep. Uh, Jewish writers, yes. Judd Apatow, you got it, man. Yes, you Please are. don't sue us or hate <laughs> us. Or write an article about us on BuzzFeed. That's never going to happen. But if it happens do, in two years. Do all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, like, sue us, be mad about it, write an article on BuzzFeed, like, do all of that. I would appreciate any of that notoriety. Tweet at it, you yeah. know. Make us do a public apology. Like, like, what would you get out of suing us? Like, really, like, I would have to work for you in order to pay you back. Yeah. You know, I would just, it would just be free labor on your sets. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I could use the experience. You know, it's like, what, what can you do to me here? <laughs> you know, that's... A, Fair enough. Fair fucking enough. That's, that's Tuesday, December the 12th, uh, Judd Apatow, The Return. Uh, and the last thing this week is going to be Sunday, December the 17th, A Christmas Story. It's a, uh, it's a musical live event on Fox. Um, this this is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I, ever. I'm 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 I can Christmas content mm-hmm. makes me want to jump out of three windows. A bit. Yeah. Yeah. But go on. Yes. What is it about this fucking movie? It's it's amazing. It's it's, <laughs> it's heartwarming. It's it's for it's um it make, makes you feel good inside, Brian. Makes you feel good. Yeah, is this the one where good. like the Play-Doh, the Play-Doh animated Santa nah. Claus and Rundo? No. Nah? Okay. What's nah. this one on? Um, this is the only the only Christmas movie. This is the only Christmas movie. There's one Christmas movie. For me, it's like Die Hard. <laughs> 
Like I watched no, Die Hard. I mean, no, I mean yes. Like yeah. Yeah, I, I, that was my pick for last yeah. year Christmas movie. Or, or well, for you it could also be the Night, Nightmare, Nightmare Before, Before Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, That's that was your pick. Like, yeah, I, I enjoy that. Yeah, like those, those are those are good movies to watch during Christmas. Mm-hmm. But the only Christmas movie since nineteen like fifty, which was It's, it's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. So like they would put that. Well, shit, we're on an age where television doesn't really exist anymore. That's why that <laughs> shit doesn't matter. You know, like, like seriously, like people don't have to watch television. But yeah, yeah before it's like, it's, when I was a kid, like five, six, seven, eight, it's a wonderful life will come on every Christmas yeah. and I'll have to watch this boring, bullshit, black and white Christmas movie that I did not care about, but it just kept coming on over and over. And then by the time 19, mid 90s, 97 or so, a movie called A Christmas Story started yeah. coming on. And that's the one with the little, a little white kid with blonde hair and red glasses named Ralphie. And he wants a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. And his mom won't get it for him because she says, you'll shoot your eye out. So he was like, well, if my mom won't get it for me, then I'll go ask Santa Claus. So he goes to the mall and he waits in line and then he tells Santa Claus, like, I want the Red Robin BB gun with the, with the scope and the clock that tells time. And then Santa Claus was like, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. You know, and then he kicks him in the face and sh- sends him down the chute. And then it was like, what the fuck? So he's just trying to find these different ways to get this Red Robin BB gun. Okay. He finally does get the Red Robin BB gun and guess what happens? He shoots his, he eye shoots his goddamn eye out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does that towards, towards the end of the movie. So, so it's like, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's also iconic. You might have um, seen this in, um, in commercial or something to where a kid licks a, a frozen pole. Yeah, he gets stuck. And he's stuck to the pole. Yeah, okay. so that, that's what happens there. So um, that's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. That's I love it. It's like I'm guessing in five to ten years from now, if in this, however we're getting content, I'm guessing like a, a what's the, the Billy Bob Thornton? Bad uh, Santa. Bad Santa, yeah. Yeah, Bad Santa might kind of... just re- devolving to that kind of like cynicism. Yep, yeah. Yeah. I think it might go into that. It's like the new Christmas movie, but uh, but yeah, a Christmas a Christmas story. They're doing a, a live musical. It says a live production of the Tony nominated A Christmas Story, the musical which is turned on the classic holiday movie. Uh, stars Maya Rudolph, Jane Kraskowski. Uh, I'm not saying her name right, but she's the um, she's Jenna from Thirty Rock, okay. the blonde, and um, Matthew Broderick. Matthew <laughs> Broderick. Oh yeah, I haven't seen Broderick in a while. Uh, since uh, probably like Inspector Gadget. Or something, he was maybe. Inspector Gadget. He, he was Inspector Gadget. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Really? Matthew, the same they got Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No, I, I know who Matthew oh, yeah, Broderick yeah. is. I yeah. just didn't know he was Inspector Gadget. He was definitely. It was a terrible, terrible movie. Because have I seen that movie? I hope and not. Was it the live action? It was live action. Yeah. I think I've seen this movie. It was so not good. Ooh, I gotta Google it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but that's it. That's it for uh, for television. And we have three movies. Uh, the first movie of uh, three um, movies that are going to be big that you can see anywhere. And unfortunately, Disaster Artist is not showing in Netflix at, uh, in North Lake. It's not. We were supposed to get it. Not in North Lake. Like, I, I know. It was very upsetting. Like we, I wanted to go there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. No showings on any of those days. Even tomorrow too. I got to go all the way to Concord. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like my my theaters, I, I work there. My theater is like smaller than Concord's. Yeah. But for some reason, Concord gets all the fucking A twenty four releases, yeah. like indie releases. Yeah. And I'm just like, I live five minutes. Just give me please one movie. Yes. I live five minutes. Away. I, exactly. Like I, I don't want to have to go all the way to Regal. I don't want to have to go all the way to Concord. Yeah. Like just to see movies that I want to see. And the principle of it is, when you show a movie for a matinee in the morning, mm-hmm. then I can get a ticket for five dollars and seventy five cents. Yeah. And then when when once twelve thirty hits, one o'clock hits, that's a ten dollar ticket yep. for the exact same movie. And out of principle, can't do it. <laughs> Can't do it, you know, because it's, it's like you're telling me like this cheeseburger is a dollar, but if you come a couple hours later, this is a five dollar cheeseburger. Like what? It's like I can't, I can't. It fucks up my enjoyment. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I go there and pay ten dollars to see the disaster artist, I know that somebody else paid five dollars. <laughs> you yeah, you'd be surprised because mm-hmm. I, I mayonnaise shows don't get that filled up. I I, I know that's yeah. those are the ones I go to. A lot of people <laughs> don't go to fucking mayonnaise shows. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I go there like Sunday mornings for matinees. Like I have the theater to myself for the most part. I might have like two or three other people that still bother me, you know. But it's just <laughs> like it's mostly nobody there, which was surprising to me when we seen Justice League for a matinee and it was full. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? But that was Saturday. Yeah. It was still it was like, what the fuck? A matinee where people are here? Get the fuck but out of here. It was also like a like a movie that. Flopped like in terms of box office. Yeah, so it's just like yeah. what the fuck even more. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. Like, did it did it just like flop internationally? Because I thought it did pretty well. U.S. Well, it didn't. Uh, uh, I don't know about internationally, mm. but in in like it didn't sell nearly as well as like even Ant Man did. Oh no! Yeah, and Ant Man was kind of like the worst. Apart from Thor two, Ooh, yeah, I think Ant Man's like the worst selling Marvel movie. I might be talking it out of my ass. Mm. But Ant-Man did not do well compared to the other Marvel properties. Damn. And uh, Justice League did not beat Ant-Man in box office. Owie. How do you do um, that? And But to Justice League's defense, there is an attitude of hate towards DC live-action movies mm. right now. And I think it's become accept- accepted by internet culture. Mm. Where it's like, yeah, the movie's not the best, but it's not offensive. Yeah. You know? But because Batman versus Superman, I think, was so offensive... Mm. Uh, I think people just like to hate Injustice League now. So, like, every review that you're going to see online is like, this movie has myriad amount of problems. Mm. People didn't shut up about the fucking mustache, which mm. is e- even that noticeable. Yeah. So, like, people are nitpicking the Justice League and like, all the DC movies in yeah. such a way that they're not nitpicking the Marvel movies, mm. despite the fact that a lot of the problems in DC movies show up in Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. So I feel like people have this double standard where like Justice League, like DC movies will always get a bad review mm. and will never get above like 60% on the meta score unless you're Patty Jenkins oh, and you make a good movie. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I feel like that's what happened to Justice League. Mm. Like it was kind of an okay movie and it's a course correction for DC. Mm. So instead of people appreciating the kind of thing that Justice League is like, trying to fix now, like mm. adjusting, mm. they shat on it for the same problems that they shot on Batman v Superman. Um, and I think that's a problem in the way that we talk about movies. I mean, I'm, my, my problem is um, when we talk about like box office and numbers through the entire United States or, or numbers internationally, I have to think about star power as well. Because uh, you're, you're going to get like 30%, 40% of your audience that are just hardcore DC, Marvel, right. live superhero fans. But then a lot of that, you know, might also be just like... Um, ben Affleck fans. Yeah, that's where I was going, yeah. yeah. Ben Affleck fans or Gal Gadot fans or um, Jason Momoa fans. Mm-hmm. So it's like it has to say something about that that star power to draw people in that don't really care about the Justice League or Marvel or DC or any of that. Yeah. You know, they just want to go see a Paul Rudd in an Ant-Man. They don't know anything about Ant-Man, but they've seen Paul Rudd in a number of the movies that they've paid for. So they're like, we'll go see him in this. Yeah. And people aren't willing to do that for Ben Affleck or Jason Momoa or Gal Gadot well, in yeah, one movie. Yeah, because Jason Momoa is like relatively unknown. Very much for movies, yeah. Yeah, for like movie people. Yep. It's relatively unknown. Yep. Gaga though just popped out. She's still kind Wonder of Woman. unknown. Yeah, she's still new. Yep. Ben Affleck, as much mm. as I love Affleck, mm. he's kind of past the prime recognition stage. Yep. He's kind of well, doing the Johnny Depp thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if he's if recognition is what I was looking for, but um, um, maybe popularity, like prom popularity. Right, I think yeah. as many people know him, but I don't think he has like the same pool yeah. that he had, you know, some years ago. Back when he did like Dogma or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which kind of sucks. Cause it, 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 
in my opinion, the movie flopped because it's easy to hate DC. Right. And people didn't give it a, like a like an honestly fair chance mm. to like prove itself. That being said, I do acknowledge that the movie has a lot of problems. Yes. Yeah. Um, but oh yeah. I don't know. I, like I'm optimistic about movies. I want movies to work on the box office because when they work, that means that we get to see better directors mm. do these projects, and then then we get something cool. Yeah. Um, but Justice League did not do that, man. Did you? Uh, I sent you a message. I, I didn't do too much more following up on it or research about the uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, working on a Star Trek movie. Seen a couple of articles. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's happening. Oof. But it's gonna be rated R. Yeah. That's for sure. Yep. I'm waiting for an alien to say nigga. <laughs> I, I will not. I will not. I will not. You will not tarnish and taint my Star Trek with niggas, that was motherfuckers. A joke. No, no, no. no. I, I know, I know, I know. But, but, but I'm saying it's like it's, it's a joke. But, but, but is it? That's the thing. I don't know. I exactly. might be fucking around, exactly. but I might see Riker say nigga somewhere. That's what like I'm saying. Klingon say motherfucker. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like I, I really fuck with with Tarantino, and you, as you do too. Yeah. You know we fucks with Tarantino. You know on, you have to listen to our episodes to see exactly how you know how we feel about Tarantino. Yeah. You know, but we'll go pay to see a Tarantino movie, and it's just like for me personally, I love Star Trek. Like I'm a Trekkie. Yeah. I've watched all the episodes of all the television shows. I've seen the movies. Like I love Star Trek. So it's like I can't have Tarantino come here and just like put his dick all over Star Trek. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's just like I don't I don't want you to be fuddle and 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 just I don't know ba- bastardize yeah. Star Trek, you know, for the sake of what can possibly be a very good movie, you know, yeah. a movie, you know, that's going to rate rated R, but it's just don't bastardize Star Trek, you know, for that. Yeah, he's got to I feel like if he wants to work in a Star Trek movie, he's got to take back the Tarantino. Yes. He's got to hold back on the Tarantino. Yeah. And just be a good director that understands yep. the story. Yeah. Because otherwise, he's just going to be hatefully yep. with aliens. Yeah. And that's going to be annoying. It's like, I, I, I have hope that he can collaborate. Like, we got to see him collaborate uh, in Dust Till Dawn, True Lies. Yeah, with, uh, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, at True Lies and one other one. Uh, death Race? No, oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, uh, Death... Uh, f- Grindhouse. The Grindhouse, the Grindhouse okay. movies. Um, but yeah, so let's. But yeah, let's get through this. Um, yeah. So the uh, the first movie is Permanent. Uh, Permanent is a PG thirteen movie. It's a ninety three minute runtime. It's a comedy uh, about bad hair, adolescence, and socially awkward family members. It involves it involves life altering permanence and poorly made toupees. That guy looks like Ron Swanson. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> it's um it's Rain Rain Wilson from um. From the office. Oh, he plays Dwight. Dwight Schrute. Yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's that's permanent. So it's going to be about two pays and and things of that nature. Uh, it's a comedy, ninety three minutes, so it might be worth your time in Monday. Nice. Uh, the next one is Ferdinand. Uh, it's a PG movie, one hundred and six minute runtime. It's an animation. At Ferdinand, a bull with a big heart is mistaken for a dangerous beast. He's captured and torn from his home. Determined to return to his family, he rallies a misfit team on the ultimate adventure. It's starring John, John Cena. Cena. I and uh, Kate McKinnon, <laughs> Bonnie, <laughs> Bobby Cannavale, and, and Jack Gore. Nice. Uh, let's see. I'm actually like, I saw the trailer for Ferdinand. It, mm-hmm. it looks kind of like a generic animation movie. Yeah. But it looks fun. Okay. So like, it, it might be, it might be like a fun little, just like, turn your brain off, watch a good movie. Yeah. Leave the theater kind of thing. I can dig that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And last but not least, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, look at that fucking billing for Star Wars. Oh. Oh, it's just formatted weird. 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's something else. Yeah. I was just like, why is that so fucking long? They put the scroll of the movie in the in the fucking IMDb. Now yeah, you are, yeah. Anyways, go ahead. Uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi is a PG thirteen movie, one hundred and fifty one hundred and fifty two minute runtime. It's an action adventure fantasy sci fi movie, and the rundown is. After taking her first steps into the Jedi world, uh, Rey joins Luke Skywalker on an adventure with Leia from Finn and Poe that unlocks mysteries of the Force and secrets of the past. Um, stars the same people, you know, John Boyega, Carrie Fisher, uh, Mark Hamill, um, Daisy, Daisy Ridley. Yep. Yep. Uh, wait, who's who gets who gets top bill? Who's the first person? Daisy. Okay, Daisy gets top bill. Daisy, cool. then John, then Mark, then Carrie. Nice. Um, I am. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a Star Wars guy. Mm. I enjoy Star Wars, but yeah. I'm not a Star Wars guy. Okay. I'm excited for this movie. I feel like mm. the Force Awakens was like was really good. That was good. I like that one a lot. The second after that was that Rogue One. It was Rogue. Yeah, Rogue One. That was Rogue less. Than, that was less than good. But yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see where they keep taking this from. First of all, I'm loving all the design elements that mm. they're putting on in the posters now. Yeah. Like that poster looks amazing. Mm. And I'm curious, like I'm curious what they're gonna do now that Carrie's dead. Yeah. Uh, like what's the story gonna look like for like the third movie now? Like, yeah. I'm just interested in like how this Star Wars movie looks compared to like The Force Awakens. Okay. Because it looks like it's gonna be a darker story. Oh yeah. It looks like it's gonna be like a lot of like morality decisions. Yeah. Going on. So I am intrigued. Okay. That being, who's directing this? Uh, this is Rain Johnson. Rain Johnson. Yeah. I don't know him as a director. I think we might. I've, I know I've heard that name before, but I'm not familiar with his work either, just off the top of my head. Uh, let's see yeah, if we can find see. some IMDb for him. Uh, Rain Johnson, he's most popularly known for Looper. Okay, there oh, we go. okay, Looper. And okay. Brick. You've seen Brick, too. I know you had, had to have had. Brick, Brick, uh, I've seen it twice in school. So one time with Kava, one time with, with Bumgarner. It's the one with the... Um, uh, the what's what's the guy Joseph Gordon Lovett? Oh, um, have I seen Bird? A teenager, a teenager. It's it's, it's a um, what? It's noir. It's it's like uh, uh, it's, oh it's, no, uh, no, I haven't seen it. But it's on my queue. Okay, no, yeah. you will love this I shit. Love Brick? Okay, yes, cool. I mean, fucking. If you want something stylistic, stylized, like fucking shit, man. This, yes, I'm not Brick? saying anything okay, else. Cool. Y'all don't want to hype this, but yes, um. it's good. <laughs> So, okay, if he did Looper, yeah. I'm curious to see what this movie looks like now. Yeah. Because he's kind of done sci-fi before. Yep. I want his take on sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I mean, it's, it's he, Star Wars. He directed three seasons of Breaking Bad as well. Oh. 2010 through 2013, the good years. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. So that means he did one, two, and three? One, two, and three. Fuck yeah. Those, yeah. Are, my, my, those, those are good seasons. The good ones, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything after the third one, I'm just going to It's like, ah, oh, whatever. Down. All right. You know. Yeah. All right. So I I got I got I'm um, I, I got good good hopes for Star Wars. Same. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Ryan Johnson. Uh, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I, I guess that's that's it for today's episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you guys for listening. You can find us on Twitter at underscore FFS Podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes Podcast app, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and SoundCloud under the name for Film's Sake. And my personal Twitter handle is at Brian Ochilla. I'm at uh, T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey. hey. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Watch Cool Handlook if you haven't watched it. It's a lovely movie. And then we will see you next week. Bye.